So, yeah, for everybody who might be watching this, uh, our kids chat is back uh, every week now. So we've got, I think we've got, I think teachers lined up. Uh, it's wonderful. So we've got that. Um, well, welcome again, uh, everyone. Good to see everyone here. And um, I think uh, that probably every modern couple uh, that has a first baby has to go through this sort of period of tribulation, I'll call it. Um, maybe not tribulation, maybe more like a, 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 a period of comparison where, uh, you know, where you have to try to figure out who's going to take care of what responsibility. Now, I've had, I, I have five kids, so I've had about 20 years of uh, this period, so I'm well-versed in it. I speak as an expert on this. But it's something, and I think it's maybe uniquely kind of a Western thing that we go through today, but it's the whole debate. Should I or shouldn't I thank my husband for taking care of, for doing things to take care of the baby? Should I thank him for, for doing baby stuff? And by stuff, I mean, you know, chores, diapers, whatever, that kind of stuff. Cleaning out the bottles. Should I thank him? Now, you could fill a thousand mommy blogs with this debate. Actually, it's already been done, a quick Google search, you know, at scarymommy.com, powermommy.com, powermommyblogs.bloggy.com, you know, they're all out there. And the, and the debate kind of goes something like this, right? One side says, you have to realize, this is probably, this is, this is the first baby he's had to deal with. His dad probably never changed a diaper and doesn't know what it even looks like. He doesn't have any idea what this is. He's just trying to help out. A little thank you for doing what he should be doing. To show appreciation isn't a bad thing. Right? It, it, we all like being appreciated for what we do. Right? He's probably not very comfortable with it to begin with, so a little affirmation doesn't help. A little thank you doesn't hurt. Then the other side says, hell no, I ain't thanking you for doing what you're supposed to be doing. You do the diaper, you get the couch. That's how we do that. That's your affirmation, not getting the couch. Okay, maybe I'm a little bit harsh. If you read the online forums, it gets really harsh. I always wonder if the women who say that are really as harsh in real life as they are online, because you know we always say whatever we want online, but either way, Right? And, but the reasoning goes something like this. Why should I thank him for doing something he's just supposed to be doing? It's just expected. If he doesn't do it, it's derelict, dereliction of duty. It's parental negligence. Right? When, when, you, when you thank someone for doing what they're supposed to be doing, you make it sound like it's some sort of a special treat. Right? You don't want to give that impression. This is just what you do. Be happy. I'm still around. Which one's right or which one's wrong? You know? I don't know. I, I've, done more di I've done more diapers than I can count. Literally, more diapers than I can count. And I can say I'm pretty good at it at this point. Um, but I'll admit, I was one of those guys. I had no clue about babies when I started. I had none. None. I don't think I'd ever actually held a baby. Maybe once or twice in my whole life. 
until I had my own, right? And, you know, I didn't know what half these gadgets and gizmos were. A onesie? A onesie what? How's that not a twosie? What, I mean, you got to wrap it around and, and uh, you know. Um, how do you properly mix the powdered oatmeal cereal? You know, all these kind of things. Folding up a stroller, you kind of need a mechanical degree for some of those buggers. <laughs> you know, pop it out. Find, you know, so anyways, I didn't know what any of this was. There was a learning curve. And, you know, I like to think I didn't expect anything in return for doing it. On the other hand, I won't say I didn't enjoy being appreciated when I tried. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if we're asking the right question here in, in the whole debate. Maybe instead of blowing up the servers at blogger.com, I don't know if anyone still uses Blogger, they just go on Facebook groups, I guess. Um, just maybe the better question is, would you do it if you were never going to be thanked? Would you do it if there was no reward? I like to think, with my kids, I would. You know, because it's about them. I know it. I'm doing it for them, right? And I know that some days, some days I will come home from work and I'll be a worthless parent. I'll be a worthless anything, right? I'm exhausted. But I like to think that I help out when I can. What comes around goes around. But the question sticks with me. Would you do it if you knew you'd get nothing out of it? If she just told you to do it, would you stop and wonder, hmm, what am I going to get out of this? Am I, and, and if every time you do it, you think you're banking, well, if I do it today, then maybe I can skip tomorrow. See how that works. If you just do it, what do we call that? We have a word for that. We call that obedience. Right? It's obedience. That's what the word means. You do what someone tells you to do. And if it's under threat, then it's an unwilling obedience. Right? You know, like what they're getting in Russia. Mr. Putin has requested you to fight in the war in Ukraine, to fight Nazis, I mean, to reclaim the Donbass, I mean, for the Russian Empire, I mean, to stop NATO, I mean, to stop Zelensky, I don't care. We don't know what we're fighting for, but you're going to do it. And bring your own sleeping bag. We do not have sleeping bags. And that's actually true. The recruiters are actually telling the recruits to bring their own sleeping bags. Um, yeah. That's unwilling obedience, right? That's unwilling obedience. It's done because you have to. But if, if what you're doing is being done out of love or a sense of duty and honor and obligation and responsibility, then it's a willing obedience. Obedience isn't always a dirty word. I know in, in, in our society we, get, we hear that word and we kind of recoil, and there's good reasons for that, but it's not intended to always be a dirty word. There's a willing obedience and an unwilling obedience. So which one do you think Jesus is talking about when he says to his disciples that they should, be, they should obey his commands? What is he doing? Is Jesus being the punisher who's, who's threatening, you better obey me or else? Or, or, or are, you worried, are you worried what's going to happen to you if you don't? Or is, do you think Jesus is bribing? Pretty please follow my commands and I'll give you stuff. Right? Um, you know, kind of like the Joel Osteen way, right? You know? I, I got to give it to that guy. I know I always come back to him. But I got to give it to him in a sense. He can fill 
45 minutes of sermon every single week with the only topic being, you'll get more money. I'm like, how, that, that, that's really impressive. I, I, I'd, run out, I, I'd run out of ways to say it, you know? And, 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 I, and I know, I, and I pick, I pick on Joel because, you know, what he teaches, I, I can't line it up with scriptures, you know? The Jesus I read is always like, follow me and you'll get fields of persecutions. Give up all your money if you want to follow me. How do you square that with, look at my private jet. Look at my $10 million house. Look at my yacht. Look at my collection of Bugattis. Look at my blonde wife. I'm like, man, I'm a loser. I did get the blonde wife, though, so Jesus still loves me, I guess. But he speaks, Mr. Joel. He, he, appeals, he appeals to that idea of bribing, right? God is holding out money and fame and status and success like a carrot. Right? Follow me and I'll make you rich. But if you're doing what Jesus says because you're looking to get something in the future, then it's just really, you're just really making an investment. Spend an hour on Sunday morning, a couple hours on Sunday morning, I'll get a bigger house. Hmm, seems like a good investment to me. Then it's a transaction, right? So what does Jesus say over and over in the New Testament? John 14, let's look at it. He says, obedience to his commandments is done out of love. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So he tells his disciples, flat out. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Not keep my commandments or you'll be punished. Not keep my commandments and I'll reward you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if you don't keep my commandments, you probably don't love me. And if you don't love me, you probably won't keep my commandments. And that would be how I would know, right? That's what I would say to anyone who says they love Jesus. You love Jesus. Okay, are you doing what Jesus says? You know, are you freeing the captive, bringing good news to the poor? Are you selling your stuff and giving things away? Are you, are you bringing healing to the outcast? Are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? When you say you love Jesus, are you following his commands about divorce and adultery and these things too? Are you loving the alien? Or do you say you love Jesus and then you do whatever you want because your love doesn't have any real obedience behind it. If you love your wife, you'll change the diaper. If you love your husband, you won't sit and do nothing and make him do all the work while you play video games. Although usually that story is reversed. Right? If you love me, you will follow my commandments. And you won't expect a reward. Jesus ends up having to bring this up over and over again with his disciples because over and over, they seem to be angling to try to get some reward for following him. You know, they'll be like, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can I get the right seat? Or you get, you know, Simon Peter's mom, like, okay, I got my two boys, Jesus, can you give one the right chair and one the left? It's like they're, they think they're like a, a, on the ground level of a startup or something like that, you know? Hey, Mr. Jobs, you know, when your little apple thingy grows, can I get a job on the board? Can I be VP of something, you know? And for some startups, it works. There's a guy in Cupertino. I saw him on TV. I'd never heard of him. He was a friend of Jobs, got in on the ground floor. You know what his hobby is today? He just sits around and collects jewels. 
He's got like a house full of jewels. Oh, look, uh, look, here's a blue diamond. I just got this one from India. I'm like, holy mackerel. And then they're like, everyone's like, where did he get the money for that? Oh, he got in with Jobs and Wozniak, the other guy you never hear about at Apple, right? They, they, they keep thinking that like they're joining Jesus and they're getting in on the ground floor of this. And because they make the sacrifice now, when he comes into the kingdom, now I'll get this, then I'll get the seat of honor. It's still investment thinking. And Jesus has to tell them over and over, there will be no special place at the table for you above and beyond everybody else because you follow me. You, you're not, you shouldn't be following me for that. You should be taking the lowest spot so someone else can come in. Period. There's this parable, our gospel reading today, from the Gospel of Luke. It's one of Jesus' parables that you don't hear quoted as much because it's not a very feel-good parable. It's not like the good Samaritan or some of the prodigal son or something like that, right? Because it's not directed towards the crowd. It's directed towards Jesus' disciples, towards those who want to be his followers. And the story frustrates me on a few levels um, because the gist of, but the gist of it is that Jesus is asking this question of whether any of them would give a slave a place at the table of honor just for working in the fields all day. And I'm like, first of all, it always bugs me that he doesn't, that Jesus is so kind of nonchalant when he talks about slavery in these parables. Um, but then, of course, you, you, you read the thing, and he's like, well, who among you would give him the place of honor instead of then making him serve you after working a full day? And I'm like, who among you? You people are mean. I mean, it's bad enough you got a slave, but you're not even going to give him a break after working all day? You're going to then make him serve you? And only then does he get to eat? What? And Jesus just throws this out like, well, of course, who among you wouldn't do that? Now, I know the point he's getting at, right? You know? The point he's getting at is, is that he's looking at his disciples and saying, you know, look, you're not, you, you think you're doing this to get the seat of honor at the table. You should instead be sitting and saying, I'm a worthless slave, I'll do whatever you want, God. I expect nothing in reward. I expect nothing. It's not about you. It's not about you getting rewarded. I have this theory. I know there's at least one person in the room cringing right now. Because I have lots of theories, and they don't always work out. But I have this theory that, that, that this idea of reward, this idea that everything we do has to get a reward, that it makes it hard for us to have relationships. It's not impossible, but it makes things hard. Because most of what we do in relationships doesn't get a reward. We don't, it, it, and it doesn't always come back. And everything we do doesn't always get returned. It, it doesn't work out evenly that way. We can try our best, but it will never be perfectly even. I have to tell my kids this all the time, you know, because they will count the screen time. He got 37 minutes. I got 32. I'm not making that part up. You've seen him. You know. He counts. And I give the same answer every time. It will never work out perfectly even, ever. Deal with it. And I know it sounds kind of tough, but the world will never be perfectly even. But if everything you do is with the anticipation of a reward, then what's going to happen is the second you don't get that reward, you're going to feel taken advantage of or robbed or used. 
And I think in our society today, we are very, 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 very worried about being taken advantage of. We're very, very worried that somebody somewhere is getting something at our expense, that somebody's, somebody's getting something and we're doing the work and they're laughing at us. And we're so worried about being taken advantage. If you go through a relationship and you go through a marriage and you're counting everything and you're going to feel taken advantage of the second you fold two towels and they fold one, you're not going to make it. It, it just that, that way of thinking needs to be put aside. That way of thinking needs to be put aside. Because the truth is, if you're constantly keeping score of everything, you'll always be upset. But if your spouse doesn't help around the house at all, and there's no willingness to help around the house, and there's no willingness even when you tell them, look, I, we got to feed the horses today. You know, they don't feed themselves, right? And they're just like, Ugh. then you got to ask. Are you really in this? Do you really love me? That would be the deeper issue. If you love someone, you would want to. It's not about taking advantage of it. It's about wanting to help. And I think we would be a lot better going into, going into things with an attitude of willing obedience rather than an attitude of reward and scorekeeping. And we can have a legitimate discussion, I think, about how we divvy up household duties. They can fill many more blogs with that one, too. Who does what, how much, I think that's super important. Totally, totally support that. But it still won't come out perfect. But what you do is you take a position of mutual, loving obedience, where you do what, you're, what you can willingly without seeking to get something. And there is no crime in thanking if it's not a payment, but an expression of gratitude. As followers of Jesus, this is supposed to be our regular posture. Loving, willing obedience to God, to our neighbor, following God's commands to love and serve one another and our neighbor, not because we're going to get something, but because Jesus told it, and we love our Lord and we love our neighbor. Jesus gave us that example. and That's what we are to follow out of love as his disciples. Amen.